Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Uh, well, now my attention turns to Twynham Church over in Christchurch. And behind every busy church, there's always somebody there helping the leaders of the church to keep the wheels turning. And somebody who knows a lot about that is, uh, is Sue Miller. Good morning to you, Sue. Morning. Well, that's true, isn't it? Because uh, because there's some of us that get the limelight and there's some of us that have to, to do all the work. And administra- church administrators are, are certainly within that number, are, are they not? <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. But yes, I'm, I'm very appreciated to our church. So yes, they do look after me. Well, of course, Twynham is a, is a really, really busy church. And I mean, not, I mean it, it has been busy. There's been lots of, of church activities outside of what would have been Sunday services. Of course, now it's all different at the moment. But has, has the lockdown sort of added to all the stuff that you're doing? Because I know Twynham has been as innovative as, as many other churches have as well. Is that taking you into sort of new and unexplored areas? Um, yes, it certainly has. I mean, when lockdown first started, we did think, you know, would there actually be anything to do? But um, yes, the job has evolved in uh, many different ways. Um, I'm now working from home in the comfort of my caravan in the driveway to get some peace. Um, but yeah, a lot more online stuff, learn Zoom and just, yeah, keeping everyone updated and together online and mm. just... Um, Praise God that we have that, actually, for mm. that, so I that think, we can keep in touch. I think that that word Zoom has been immortalized, hasn't it? You know, I don't know about you, but <laughs> I, I never I never even heard of Zoom before before lockdown. Now I'm Zooming all over the place, you know. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, tell us something about you. How, how did your faith journey begin? Um, well, I, I um, have known Doug and Sue Barnett for a long, long time. I think you're speaking to Doug in a bit. I am, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, when I, um, he married us, um, and I had uh, my my three girls, and Megan and Maggie, my twins, um, came early, and Doug and Sue came and prayed for, us, for me at the hospital, and that was really the start of my journey. Um, then when they were little, I started toddler groups and did a, mini what we called ALF instead of Alpha with uh, Doug and Sue. And the journey sort of started from then. And then it was on a mothering Sunday when someone else was getting baptised in the church that I gave, uh, I gave my life life to Christ. And, yeah, it's, it has been yeah, a journey for the last 20 years from that point. So when you, when you knew Doug and Sue uh, then, were you, were you going to church then? Is that how you knew them, or did you just know them outside of church as, as friends? No, we knew. Um, my husband went to school with his son, um, and his son used to be partners with um, my sister-in-law. So, so we, the four of us used to... Yeah, be great friends, and we knew Doug, Doug and Sue through that. So, um, yeah, I've just known them through met My husband's known Doug and Sue longer than me, but, yeah, just mainly through that. And he was always the church-to-go-to person, if anything. 
yes. funerals, oh, yes. weddings, etc. <laughs> I, I feel exactly the same way. Actually, you know, go to Doug if he needs if he needs yes. if he needs some help. He's been he's been on the radio lots of times, and as you quite rightly say, yes. he'll be on again uh, in a moment. So those early days, you know, of giving your life to Christ, what an what an amazing place to do it in a baptism service. Did did you actually get baptized yourself at that point, or did you did, did that come later? No, that came later. That came later. It was just, um, yeah, I just was really touched and um, really felt really felt Christ come in me at that point. And then someone tapped me on the shoulder afterwards and said, I've just had a picture of a rose opening up inside you. And that, well, that was it. <laughs> that was all the confirmation I needed. So, yeah, it was an amazing time. Yeah, so as you, I mean, as you look back on those beginnings, I mean, uh, it's quite amazing, isn't it, how much our knowledge increases and uh, and also the, uh, the, the the things that we get involved in. I mean, could you have ever administered or, or thought that, that, like today, you would be a, the administrator of Twynham Church, where, of course, the journey pretty much began? Um, no, not at all, not at all. I... You know, it, it has been an amazing journey. God's always provided and looked after us. You know, I was always a stay-at-home mum. Didn't really foresee that changing, really, um, until they started to get older and then looking to see what I could do that still fitted in with them because I still wanted to be around for them. I mean, my youngest is 14, but, you know, I'm still here for her as and when needed, the, you know, working for the church, it's just amazing that, you know, family does come first. And when she needs me or if there's stuff that I need to do for her, it's not a problem. And I work term time, so, mm. you know, but, yeah, working for the church is just such a privilege. And no, I didn't didn't see that, really. I didn't know what I would go back to do again in my future, really. If I had interviewed you back then, you you wouldn't have said to me, oh, oh, oh Blair, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm just a mum, you know, <laughs> because, <laughs> because, because actually a lot of a lot of, of women say that, don't they? Uh, and uh, I'm I'm just a mum. And actually, when you think, <laughs> when you think about it, I mean, it's mothers who hold families together. There is no uh, more important role. But but clearly, um, would you say that that you developed your confidence, you know, as as, as time went on, because you're obviously still a mum, but. But you're a lot more than that, aren't you? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, family is very, very important to me. And, you know, I do see that as a huge privilege that I've been able to be blessed to stay at home with them and see them through their childhood, you know, and through school gates I've been able to share testimony and things like that. So, you know, that has that has been a journey within itself, Um but you know, you yeah, you don't define yourself as just a mum. But you know that 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 is me. I mean, that is family comes first to me in anything, and I do you know see that as in lockdown. You know, that's been amazing to me that I've had them all back home again. You know, that wouldn't have happened. Um, so you know, through that journey, lot, lots of things have um, progressed within my faith because I've been able to. Um, continue to volunteer at toddler groups and things like that whilst being at home with them. So I've, yeah, I've done lots and lots. Mm, so no, no, at, at no time no. I've always been busy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say no room for you for twiddling your thumbs. No, no, never. No, of course you all, you also were were challenged on your health, weren't you? And uh, t- tell us the story of of that. 
Yeah, um, well, when I had um, Mary, I had um, 14 years ago, I really suffered with um, back problems. I wasn't an older mum, but I was, yeah, I was mid-30s, so let's mm. suppose if you cast that nowadays. But it really did make me suffer with my back and to the point that at one point I did have to have an ambulance called out to me because I couldn't move. So it did really debilitate me. But I was stood with friends at Moores Valley. I haven't, um, yeah, and, um, yeah, someone just came up to me and said, I really just, she didn't know me, actually. She was from Vineyard Church, and um, she just it was a friend of a friend, and she said, I just really feel I need to pray for you. I, I just feel the Lord say to me that you've got back problems. And I thought, well, wow, I can't deny that. And we stood in Moores Valley Park. Um, on a busy August day, I should imagine it was, mm. and she, they stood around and prayed to me, and I just felt this warmth in my back. And from that day on, you know, it's it's been good. It was healed there instantly. I had had no problem thereafter. I have the odd twins just to remind me that I have to be careful. But um, no, that was just an amazing time and just real confirmation to me that yeah, Doug, you know that. God heals as well, and there's just yeah. lots of, uh, you know, he he looks after us and wants me to be able to continue to be able to bend and lift and all things that we need to do. So, yeah, yeah no, that was just an amazing time at Moors, yeah, Moors Valley, and yeah, just, mm. yeah, and, I'll, I'll never forget it. And it's just so great to know that God knows your name, because obviously he, he knew that you had the back issue, and, and enough to mm. tell that total stranger uh you know uh basically stuff about you and and leading of course as you said to to your healing hope fm faith-filled radio and of course my focus today is on twynham church over in uh, christ church the pastor of that church is uh, rob watson uh, good morning to you rob Good morning. Well, there's no there's no rest for church leader these days, are you? And of course, it's not just heading the church because you also chair the 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 partnership fellowship of churches in Christchurch area as well, don't you? That's right. Yes, uh, the Christchurch fellowship of churches. I think it's about eighteen, nineteen churches uh, working together here. So that's really good. And I suppose that there's been no more important time really for that working together than than right now because obviously uh, there's a lot of innovation going on there's a lot of food banks and services being provided and uh, and although that is a very enc- encouraging it's also a lot of hard work for people isn't it it's, yeah it's a great deal of hard work for people I think uh, I mean there's lots of subgroups within the Christchurch Fellowship of Churches so there's a, there a steering group for the food bank um, which I'm part of uh, but it doesn't in- necessarily include all of the churches. Because a lot of the churches have a lot to do in their own uh, communities. But there's also a BCP-wide group that meets as well every every week um, of churches uh, that are able to meet together. So that's right across from Paul, Paul Bournemouth and Christchurch. So uh, that, that that group I'm part of as well, with the Alistair from FaithWorks Wessex chairing that. So that's been another important element of uh, catching people up with stuff. So, Rob, if we if we turn the clock back uh, on you, uh, you know, wh- how did your own faith journey begin? Oh, well, you've got to go a long way back. Turn the clock a long way back. So, uh, back in the back in the day, so um, late seventies, um, I uh, I was born and grew up in a in a family that had no faith connection whatsoever. My my mother was a, an atheist, 
Uh, my dad I'd probably describe as agnostic, but leaning towards atheism. Uh, my grandfather, my mother's father, was a Richard Dawkins-type atheist, mm. uh, very, very atheist. Um, and so I, I didn't have any any church background at all. I didn't go. I went to church parade uh, with the scouts, which is something that pretty well put me off going to church, I suppose, because it kind of confirmed everything that everyone was saying around me about church being boring, irrelevant, possibly untrue. So there was nothing really to grab me. But when I went into secondary school, um, I had to make a whole new friendship group because none of the friends I had in primary school uh, came with me. And some of those friends uh, started off not as great friends, but grew. And I began to get invited along to a church youth group um, at uh, what is now Bournemouth Community Church. Um, and it was the YPF group in those days. Uh, and they just seemed to be a fun group of people going around. Uh, they were uh, a nice bunch, good to be with, good fun, a little bit... Um, a little bit uh, wild at times, but mm. I kind of I kind of like that as well. You were young, um, you were young, <laughs> and I was uh, twelve at the time, I think. Uh, so yeah, I was kind of like kicking around with them for quite a while, and uh, it was right at the beginning of the renewal movement. And so um, the guy who was running it at the time, um, he uh, took us all to uh, a renewal meeting, uh, charismatic renewal meeting at what was Wallace Down Polytechnic, which is now Bournemouth University. And uh, people were like speaking in tongues and stuff, and I just I couldn't I couldn't get a grip with it. I, I ran out of the meeting. I just couldn't deal with it, so mm. I left. <laughs> mm. And uh, and uh, so I went outside and I just messed about. But friends from the group came out with me. And they decided to just sort of stand with me in that. And then a few weeks later, I was invited to another meeting. And this time, I was out at Wimborne in a barn, um, uh, a barn meeting, and we all sat on bales of hay and listened to. Uh, somebody talk about Jesus. And I thought at the time, well, that kind of like makes sense in my head, but it doesn't make sense in my heart. Um, this this idea that, that God might love me and might have a plan for me, that, you know, it sounds like a nice concept, but I didn't see the truth in it. People were saying to me, well, go forward, go forward, uh, you know, pray and go forward. And I just thought, well, I'm not really ready for that. Um, and of course, I don't want to do it that. It takes courage to say that, doesn't it? Because, I mean, you, when you get a bit of peer pressure like that, and you, you get it in all different ways, it does take courage. Oh, yeah, you get it in all different ways. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wasn't ready for it. And I think, you know, I needed something uh, a little bit different for me than just to go and obediently pray a prayer. And uh, um, something needed to happen. And I think I knew that that I wasn't in a place to make that real commitment at that point. So I uh, left the meeting, went home, spent the week at, at school, and, uh, at, towards, uh, well, it's actually the last day of February 1980, which was the leap, a leap year day, the 29th of February, it was a Friday, uh, walking home from school uh, with two of my friends from the church, and uh, they just began to talk about stuff about Christian faith. And, and there was just something in the conversation and in the walking that I realized suddenly that there weren't three of us walking down the road. There were actually four of us walking down the road. Mm. Um, and that, that fourth person, whilst invisible, was making everything make sense. Um, and it was like walking in the light, if, if you get the idea of if you were walking in the gloomy darkness and then suddenly walking in the light, you felt like you were walking suddenly in something that was absolutely, definitely true. Um, and so we walked home, an ordinary street in ordinary Winton. I was at Winton Boys School uh, at the time. 
uh, when it was still in Coronation Avenue in in, in uh, Mordown. And uh, as we as we walked home, I just felt that it was it was a, a it was right. Suddenly, it, there was something really uh, right about it. And then they went home, and the, uh, the 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 clincher really for me was that that presence went with them and didn't come with me. And for the first time in my life, I realised I was totally lost completely lost i was in darkness i was hopeless i didn't have any hope i couldn't get out of it i was i was in dire straits really and i got home and i actually i did not know what to do i had no idea what to do about this lostness and, and i just sort of uh, moped around and i just thought what do i do with this what how can i get that back again I, i've lost it it's it was something like you you found a you know like the, the parable of the treasure in the field rather than i'd gone off and sold everything I had in order to buy it. I'd lost it. I'd, I'd lost the map. I'd lost the place in the field where the treasure was buried. Mm. Um, but um, my friends were obviously listening to what God was saying because they got back to their one of their houses and they felt absolutely convicted to come back and bring a, a book by a guy called Norman Warren called Journey Into Life. Mm. And uh, they just said, we, we just really felt God saying, come back and give this to you. And they gave it to me. And I actually, I didn't read the book. I just knew I had to get to the prayer at the back of the book. <laughs> and I prayed that the Lord would come into my life, that he'd take away everything that, I, that was wrong in my life. And how old um, were you then, Rob? And then I was 13. So that was February the 29th, 1980. And, and interestingly, actually, I mean, from that, God immediately said, I must go and tell somebody within 24 hours. And the next day was pouring with rain. There was everything to say, don't bother. But this, but this voice in my head saying, go and tell somebody in 24 hours what you've done. And I went off, I took the dog for a walk. My mum thought I was crazy. I never walked the dog. Um, and I went off to tell my friend what I'd done. But the interesting thing was that over that period of that weekend, from the, from the Friday to the Sunday, I think about 20 people in the church gave their lives to Christ. A sort of mini revival sparked out. Um, there was a, an evening meeting where uh, there was a little old lady called Mary Holman, who was probably 40-odd years, 50 years older than me. Uh, she, came, she, she always called me her big brother because she became a Christian two days after I did. Um, and, and again, uh, magnificently. So there was just something happening in, in, in the spiritual realm that day. Uh, and that was the beginning of uh, uh, what started slowly but moved more quickly as, as time went on. And I suppose that you know now, of course, that you, I mean, you obviously went to Bible college. You know, you know, you, 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 there's been a lot of water under the bridge uh, since, since then. Yeah. But but of course, you 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 know what, what happens whenever God steps in. You know the the suddenness of God, and I guess that must be a great, a never present and great encouragement for you now, is it? church leader knowing that actually it's not so much about what you or any of the rest of us as leaders do but it's what what god does in his own good time yeah absolutely and i think uh i mean at times you wrestle you wrestle to make things happen but and, and you're desperate to see things happening in people's lives and but actually you've got to be patient with people and let them explore and find uh, what comes to faith sometimes there's a there's a moment to challenge someone and it's hearing that moment to challenge but it's uh yeah, we've got a lot of patience, and, uh, in, uh, and I was pleased that my friends weren't disappointed and dropped me like a hot brick because I didn't go forward at that meeting, or I walked out of that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, charismatic meeting. Well, I'm not not anti-charismatic myself, you know, I'm, you know, very much walk, walk in those ways. But it's uh, it it at the time it wasn't something that attracted me. It was uh, 
Well, it can but, be, but they can didn't give up on it, right? I mean, it can be a bit scary for anybody, can't it? You know, because... Well, it's very strange, isn't it? You don't find that anywhere else. So it can be really, really strange. And, yeah, scary could be a word you'd use, definitely. Mm. So, But, yeah, it didn't put me off it, but it just it wasn't probably the place I needed to start, I suppose. That's the thing, isn't it? But we all have different starting points. Indeed. I mean, you you mentioned, obviously, because obviously you, with your dad, your mum, your grandfather, I mean, nothing at all there. In fact, really quite the opposite ways and they weren't yeah. presumably they weren't people who said I'm an atheist thank God they were they were they were hardened uh, atheists in one sense or am I representing them well um, my mother would be very much sort of like um, quite a quite a, a declared atheist my, I must say my dad was more agnostic he wouldn't make a declaration in fact he'd probably describe himself in a sort of the highest tradition these days with a sort of like take the philosophies of religion and that's all the good you'll get out of them but the my grandfather was particularly um he believed that there was an evolutionary backward step to be to be a, a theist believing god in anything mm. um anywhere at all so they didn't discourage you but did did they move forward i mean was uh, how did the how did things progress for them uh, uh, my grandfather was very confused by my declaration of faith and never, never reconciled it. Mm. Um, he, uh, I became a missionary in, in Hong Kong and he never reconciled that. Mm. Um, and uh, he, when we got married, my wife and I got married, he, uh, David Craig, uh, was a pastor at BCC, was preaching the sermon and my grandfather got up to try and argue with him. <laughs> in the middle of the surface. <laughs> so that's how uh, anti-Christian he was. He was, yeah. Uh, so, uh, mm. yeah. So that was, um, yeah, he never really reconciled that. My mother, on the other hand, she uh, developed leukemia uh, in uh, uh, 1988. And uh, two days before she died, uh, the associate pastor at Winter at that time went to see her and led her to Christ, mm. which is quite remarkable. Mm. So on the cross type thing although she had a dream she had a recurrent dream and the recurrent dream was that she um she was dreaming that every day she woke up she was getting closer to a junction a t-junction that she could turn right or turn left and she needed to make a choice and every day she woke up she was closer to that junction and so when my pastor went in he was able to explain to her what was happening uh, that she was coming to the end and she did need to make a decision in her life so that was quite a remarkable story in its own right. Well, Rob, thank you so much. I've learned things about you today I I I I, I didn't know, and uh, you'll have to well you'll have to come back on again, and then we'll do the next chapter. You know. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but there's many more chapters in forty years. <laughs> oh, I'll say, I'll say. Hope FM, faith-filled radio. Uh, well, another person who has had quite a life uh, in ministry, and not that that life is in any way over, is uh, is Doug Barnard. Good morning to you, Doug. Good morning, Blair. How are you? I, I'm really, really uh, uh, well, actually. And, uh, and, and, and I'm pleased to be I'm <laughs> ble- blessed by talking <laughs> to uh, to your, some of your friends, you know, from Twynham. I mean, Doug, you've you've had an amazing life of of ministry and of evangelism. You've trained people in 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 uh, in evangelism and so on. I no doubt seen many people, you know, coming to Christ yourself uh, as you look back on how god has has used you uh, and continues to use you over those years what is what is the single most thing that that encourages you well the first first thing is that when i look back and um, 
reflect on what's happened is uh, a huge surprise. That's the first thing. I'm surprised that, um, you know, that, that God has used me in the way that uh, he has. And I still hear from people who, um, both on Facebook and, and other places, uh, who've, uh, who tell me that their spiritual journey was helped or began because of a conversation that we had or a sermon that they heard. But, but as I look back, I think I, I, I want to reflect on the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God in bringing me to where I am today. Now, of course, that that journey has been has been up and down, and and, and of course, uh, very much shared with with Sue, who's now, of course, being promoted, uh, you know, uh, to to heaven. Uh, that must be a, a tremendous comfort to you, because I mean, obviously, you've spent years and years and years of preaching about the the hope that we have in Christ. Of course, uh, not just in this life, but of course, in what it, what is to come. Uh, I, again, uh, life with Sue and yourself, uh, I mean, it must have been a, a great adventure. I mean, certainly you would have been the fittest man on God's earth. <laughs> Sometimes I didn't feel like it, I tell you. No, no, Sue was, Sue was tremendous. She had a great ministry. Uh, she was a, a very excellent Bible teacher. And she was a lady who was totally committed to prayer. So if people got on prayer what i call sue's hit list then they didn't stand much chance and um uh, because she she really knew how to pray and she had a unique um ministry in prayer uh, together we you know we 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 were both different characters although we we had similar personalities but we were very different characters in our approach so that made a team of both of us because uh, you know sue was able to reflect from a feminine point of view at times in her ministry which um Sometimes, as a male, you forget when you're when you're preaching that um, there's a dimension which applies particularly to uh, to the sisters as well. Yeah, and uh, of course, you you both have spent your life sharing uh, sharing uh, the gospel, and uh, and I, and I guess some people find it very difficult, don't they, to accept just how simple a message the the gospel is at it, at it, at its heart. Uh, but of course, when you see the power of of that gospel working and, and changing people's lives. I mean, so Sue was explaining her her own journey to God began with just a friendship, you know, w- with you and Sue at that time. But I mean, that's that is just a recurrent thing. God takes the the complicated and makes it simple, doesn't he? Absolutely. And um, I mean, the, the thing is that the gospel is is overtly simple, but absolutely profound once you start thinking about it. And, and for me and Sue, and, and for me still today, it, the, the, the best bridge in terms of sharing the gospel with neighbors and friends is to build a bridge of friendship um, and across that bridge um, to walk on in a daily way and a daily basis. And the stronger the friendship grows, then the, the more clear and more personal you can make, you can share the gospel with people because the friendship is not threatened then by the gospel. Sometimes we build friendships and people get the idea that the friendship is only because we want to share the gospel with them. I, I think that's a mistake that we make. We should build friendships because we want to be friends with people. And out of that friendship, we can share from our heart what Jesus has done for us. And that's what I try to do. And so it's, it's never about pew fodder, then. It's not about bums on seats, is it? It's about relationships, isn't it? Well, it is. And it's not about numbers in church. It's, it's about... Um, servants in the kingdom basically as, I, as far as i'm concerned because every person who who puts their 
trust in the Lord Jesus as Saviour and seeks to walk with him becomes a witness for him in the world. And um, I was reflecting with our home group the other night on Zoom that, um, that the eyes of Jesus on the cross, as it were, saw in the hearts of people things that we don't see with the billions of eyes that we've got at the moment. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to try and see people as Jesus saw them, uh, as people who, you know, who, who are made in the image and likeness of God, who have dignity and who are special in the eyes of God and, and need the salvation um, of God in their lives to be fulfilled as he originally created us to be fulfilled. Mm. When, when Sue was called home, uh, I mean, what was that time like for you? I mean, obviously separation after a lifetime with, with, with somebody who, who you love and a, and a, a soulmate and everything, and losing that person is difficult. But you, you've always seen, every time we've chatted, you've always seemed as bright as a button. How did you cope with it, Doug? Well, it, th- th- there are a number of ways. Uh, the first thing, uh, Blair, is that when people say to me, I'm sorry you've lost Sue, I say to them, I haven't lost her, I know where she is. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the first thing. So I, I'm not, it's not, it's it, going back to what Paul said, wasn't it, that we, we don't uh, mourn as those who have no hope, um, because I know where Sue is. And, and, and um, uh, But it was for three years Sue battled with cancer, and the last, I guess it was the last three months that were the hardest for us both. And the last sort of eight weeks were the hardest for me because I became her carer. My family, the boys and uh, my daughters-in-law were, were immense help over that time. But um, we could see that Sue was not going to win the battle, yeah. um, humanly speaking. And yeah. so um, there was a challenge to me then to, to say to myself basically every day, you made a promise 53 years ago, because we were married for 53 years, you made a promise 53 years ago, now God's putting it into operation, you know, in sickness and in health. And um, so it was a challenge. I had to do things which I never dreamed I would have to do in terms of caring for Sue and looking after Sue. But it taught me such a lot, you know. It, it taught me um, humility. It taught me to uh, recognize that, you know, Love is something more than just words that we say or an emotion that we feel. It's actions as well. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.